and any time. We owe you all the hallelujahs, all praise, all glory. For you are our God and King. And Lord, we, we thank you that we can come to you this morning or any time and, and sing those praises to you. And we do ask for comfort and protection for whatever may come in the next few days. Uh, whatever is in store for us, we, we pray for ourselves. We pray for friends and family uh, across the, right now, just looking like the coast of Alabama, Mississippi, and Louisiana. And we pray that, Lord, you would protect them protect us but ultimately we pray that throughout all of it we live for you that uh, we we exemplify you it may be being hands and feet to those in need it may be uh, showing faith and strength in times of trouble whichever it is whatever our calling is the next few days may we live up to that God as we come to your word may you strengthen us may you uh, grow us May we, as we come to your word, repent of our sins, those things that would hinder us from hearing from you today, that would be a barrier to our relationship. Lord, we repent of those things, and we put them aside as as individuals in a church and as a church to hear you speak to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to Philippians 3, chapters, uh, chapter 3, verses 15 through 16. Philippians 3, 15 through 16. No, grow, go. That's the title this morning, so that explains the shirt. I just, when we made these, I didn't put no on here. I just put go, grow. And we're going to do it in a little different order than how we uh, normally talk about it. But this shirt should give you a bit of a hint if you remember when we talked about Go Grow way back, and Joey, thank you for wearing the shirt today. I, he had no clue, but he did it anyway. That, that's wonder. The rest of y'all, well, whatever. Um, no, it's fine, sort of. Um, if you remember our focus, and I'm not going to give it away because I want to wait till the end, unless you've already looked at your Faith Life app and you know the last slide, it's already given away. But for the rest of you, it's, it's going to be a complete surprise. You know our focus when we talked about Go Grow, what, what our purpose is in that. And, and this is more, uh, this, this slogan is more about what we are as a, as a body of believers, what we should be doing. Well, today's verse uh, fit right into that with the addition of no and changing the order just a little bit. Philippians 3, 15 through 16, read with me, says, Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Three sentences, uh, simple in English, a couple of them not so simple in Greek, but the the idea is fairly simple. Three sentences, three points. Some of y'all are thinking, finally, a three-point sermon. Well, yeah, it, it worked out because that, that's where the text was today. Know, go, and grow for each sentence. The, the first sentence is the first half of 3.15. And Paul is telling the people to know, telling us to know. Now, remember where we are. Paul has just told them 
uh, what is most important, what to watch out for in the beginning of chapter 3. Uh, told them how to be, be certain uh, of, of, of what they're doing. Be certain that, uh, understand completely that your actions don't save you. And he, he goes on in uh, verses uh, 4, 5, 6 of chapter 3 to say, if, if actions could save you, if, if doing something could, could, could make you better, I, Paul says, would have been the best. I have, I've done all the things I, that I'm supposed to do. I, I was as good a Jew as you could be. But verse 7, all that is lost to me. It, it doesn't matter compared to knowing Christ and gaining Him and being found in Him and knowing Him and being conformed to Him. And then verse 12, remember last week we, we, we kind of said, thank you, Paul. Because he makes it pretty tough in verses uh, 10 and 11. My goal is to know him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, and looking forward to the day, basically, that I die. And, and, and the implication is that we as believers are supposed to have that same attitude, right? Have this mind, he's already said once. And now he's going to say it again. Have this mind. Have this attitude. But at least in 12, uh, 13, and 14, he said, but I've, I haven't achieved this either, y'all. I'm not perfect. I've not perfected this. I just keep going. And I keep trying. And I put behind me the failings. And I look forward to the goal that I'm reaching for and trying to grasp hold of ultimately to be with Jesus, and now just to know Him better and more every day. I haven't gotten there either. And on the, the end of that, he adds, so, since I haven't gotten there, and I'm writing this to you because you haven't gotten there, therefore, verse 15, therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. That's interesting he says mature here. Because he's already said he's not perfect. It, it, this, actually, this word mature, perfect, whatever your translation says, throws us back to verse 12 when he says, not that I have reached the goal or am already perfect. I'm not perfect. And then in verse 15 he says, let those of us who are perfect, we're going, Paul, what are you doing, man? You just said you're not perfect, and now you're saying you are. Well, he, he doesn't stop there. He, he throws us even further back, and I'll, I'll talk about that, those words in a second. But then he says, think this way, which throws us back to chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. He says to the people at the church, those of us who are perfect have this mind, have this attitude, and immediately they're going to think, Wait a minute, the last attitude, the last mind he told us to have, the, the last way he told us to think was like Jesus in verses 5 through 8 of chapter 2. If they had had chapters and verses at the time, they didn't. Where he told us that Jesus emptied himself and humbled himself. You know, perfection. What are you doing to us, Paul? 
Paul is just giving us the reality of the Christian walk. We, we are already not yet perfect. We are already perfect. Every believer in here, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're perfect. Ish. No, not even ish. You are absolutely perfect. You are clean. You will never know anything but heaven because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a guarantee. And you know how you get to heaven? By being perfect. It's the only way you can get to heaven. But you and I both know that, that, that we can't be perfect. Right? We, we, we still sin. We know our imperfections. And God knows our imperfections. And He sent His Son Jesus to impute His perfection on us. So right now, as I stand, as a believer... I am perfect because I get Jesus' account. I get his perfection. I get his righteousness. So as Paul is saying, those of us who are perfect, who are mature, and it's a play on words because the word can mean both things, and Paul's intentionally throwing a word out that's a little ambiguous uh, for us, so that we understand who we really are as believers. We are already perfect because of the blood of Jesus, but we realize we are not yet perfect. And we won't be until we get to heaven. But we are mature enough, we should be as believers, we are mature enough to know that we're not perfect. We're perfect enough to know that we're not perfect, if you want to look at it that way. Examine yourselves, Paul will tell us over and over. Look to your own heart over and over, he says. Understand what you need to change in your life, what, where you aren't like Christ. Or just go back to verse 10. Have your goal to know Jesus, to know Him fully, completely, intimately, and in knowing Him, know the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. Know everything about Him. Go back to chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, and have the attitude, have the mind of Jesus. Empty yourself and humble yourself just like Jesus did. Every day, constantly, forgetting what's behind and looking forward to the goal the prize, what you're supposed to be doing. And Paul, thankfully again, he's given us the, the break in verse 12, or at least given us some misery to enjoy our company with. Right in the middle of, a, of it is, is with us, telling us. I mean, he uses the language of us. Therefore, let all of us who understand who we truly are, let all, of, let all of us continually, regularly, constantly adjust our thinking. Because that's what he's saying, right? Let all of us who are mature think this way. What way, Paul? Verse 12. Not that I've already achieved it. Not that I am perfect. But I keep pressing toward the goal, forgetting what is behind. Believers, 
Let's all do that. Let's all think that way. Constantly reaching for Christ and to know Him more, both in His power and His fellowship and being conformed to Him every day. Again, I know I harp on this a lot, uh, this idea of preaching through a book of the Bible, but we, we keep having to reach back and not just having to. If, if we had not preached through Philippians at this point, I'd have to explain all of these things that I've just talked about. I don't have to explain them. I just got to remind you what we've already talked about. Someone said last Sunday that these sermons sometimes, and they do, he was absolutely right, they, they sometimes sound the same, yet they're, they're different. And, and that's it's exactly right. As we move through the book, Paul says something a little differently that sounds similar, but he comes at it from a different angle. But every time he's pulling from what he's already said, this is discipleship. Oh, I gave away the ending. This is how we grow. This is how we are able to take a bit of Scripture and see it compared to other Scripture, see it compared to life, because we have spent time in Scripture before we took this Scripture. And then tomorrow's scripture relates to today's and yesterday's. And then the next day's is tomorrow's, today's, and yesterday's. And I'll stop because I'll get confused. But you see what happens. It builds. It snowballs. And that's what Paul is saying right with us. I'm there too. And, and interestingly, I, I know I've... Uh, I talk about the, the mood of the verbs in Greek sometimes and, and, and whether it's imperative and that's really important when we get to a, 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 an imperative verb and, uh, and, and that's usually the, the one we want to focus on the most but I, I briefly sometime back talked about the subjunctive mood which is not an I issue that's conjunctivitis um, this is subjunctive mood but it sounds like a disease and the subjunctive mood is the, is, the, is the verb of might, the verb of maybe, will, possibly. And, and, and that word think, therefore let all of us who are mature think this way. It's almost like Paul knows, like the Holy Spirit knew. Y'all, you're going to have to grow into thinking this way. It, it's, not, it's not that it might happen, although it kind of is, because it's going to be a choice of yours, whether you will think this way or not, whether you will choose to have the mind of, in this case, Paul, but more broadly and even more specifically, the mind of Christ. It's up to you if you are going to think this way or if you are going to think differently. And I'll just tell you, if you're thinking differently, you're outside of Scripture. And you're not thinking scripturally. You're not thinking biblically. So, please understand, he's saying, that you need to, and it's going to take some work on your part, but you've got to think maturely about who you are in the faith and pursue the goal. Think. Know. Know who you are as a believer. 
It might be a very new believer. That may be a very old believer who never learned a lot, never grew a lot. That may be a very old believer who has been growing and been discipling for years and you are just a wealth of knowledge. It may be a young believer who grew quickly. It doesn't matter where or when you are in the process, but know who you are in the faith. Understand your knowledge or lack thereof, and then use it. Or in this case, before he gets to use it, he says in the second sentence, the second half of verse 15, And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. Grow. So you begin, you know. You know who you are. You know Scripture. You know things. Now, Paul says, take that knowledge, take those things you know, and now grow beyond that. Uh, other, other passages in the Bible, he, he will, Paul will say, and other writers will say, you've been on milk, now you do need to move to meat. You need to get beyond these elementary teachings, I believe is what Hebrew says. Hebrews says. You need to move beyond this. You, you, you've got the basics, but it, it's past time for you to have moved beyond that. Some of you, grow in your faith. All sorts of allusions to it in other places in Paul. When he says, he talks about judgment day for believers, when we will stand before God and give an account for the things that we did. And he tells us that everything that we have done in life will be piled up on an altar. This is probably some sort of figurative language, but this is what he used to get us to see this image. Everything we've done in life will be piled up. And if it's wood, hay, or stubble, the fire is going to burn it. But if it's gold, diamonds, and gold, silver, gold, and precious jewels, it will be left. The stuff that was worthwhile will be left, and the stuff that was not will be burned up. And he says, some of y'all, when you get done, you're just going to have the slab left. There are not going to be any silver, gold, and precious jewels. It will have all been wood, hay, and stubble, but you were saved, basically says, by the skin of your teeth. The foundation was good. The altar was good. What those things were built on was good. Jesus Christ. You just built the wrong things. And, and in, what we get is an image of people who will have wasted their Christian life, focused on the things that didn't matter not focused on the things that did. And we have believers that do that. We have believers who come to Christ and they never grow much past that moment of salvation. That's all they are. That's all they do. They are new believers for the rest of their lives. And that is not what we are called to do as believers. That's not being discipled by the, the, the faith or in the faith. That's not being discipled by people and a lot of that is the church's fault that we have not made an effort to disciple like we should have we we have programmed but we've not discipled which is why we have the d group that is regular bible reading and as much as we can we meet for discussion or we go to the faith life app and we discuss it on there it's all constant daily how does this apply? And what did that happen? What did, verse did that remind me of when that happened? And, oh, we read this verse. Well, that now I understand what this verse was talking about or, or vice versa. That is growing. 
Now, it's interesting how Paul puts it. He says, if any of you think differently about anything, well, think differently about, think differently from whom, Paul? Well, Paul. If any of y'all think differently from how I've taught you, but it's not just opposition to Paul here. He's not just saying, if you're coming after me, if you're attacking me, that it's not, that, that's not the tenor of this passage. He is writing this passage to friends. Friends who he is saying, think this way, act this way, do these things because we are experiencing the joy of partnership. I, I love you. We're buddies. Exhortation is happening here. I'm here to encourage you, not, not berate you, not uh, warn you really, but just you're doing good. Let's continue to do good. That's the tenor of the passage. So he's not talking about people who are coming after him and arguing with him and all that. He's talking about friends who disagree on some things. And he says, you know what? That's fine. I get it. We, we disagree on that. But based on, or, or rather, he, this, this, this statement is based on and encourages trust and unity. Based on the trust and unity that we have, Paul says, I trust, I believe, that if you let him, God will correct you. God will get you to where you ought to be. God would correct where they needed to be corrected. But we've got to go back to that first sentence. Let all of us who are mature think this way. Let all of us who are mature adjust what we're doing. Let all of us who are mature go back to verse 12. We haven't already reached the goal. We're not perfect. We're still striving for it. We're still running that race. So let us then, Hebrews is going to say, throw aside everything that keeps us from running the race well, every encumbrance, every sin. Let us look to God, and He will correct us where we need to be corrected. This is an encouraging passage of unity. But it's unity through growth in relationship with Jesus. Do you, do you, do you see the difference? This is not fake unity. It is not, it, is not fake, it is not unity based on we're all the same skin color or we're all the same socioeconomic uh, level or we're all the, 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 from the same region of the country. It's not something like that. It is instead unity based on growth in their faith in Jesus Christ. It is unity based on a relationship with Him. So all those other things don't matter. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. We are not all going to be the same in this room. We're not going to have the same thoughts. We're not going to have the same reactions. We're not going to have the same feelings. We're not all going to vote Republican in this presidential election. There might even be one or two Democrats in here. Don't raise your hand. I don't want you to get talked bad to later on after church. We're just not going to have that, and that's okay. Uniformity is not unity. Unity is unity. I mean, if you want to see unity, look at any military company unit 
legion, whatever they call them today. Obviously, I'm not a military person. But you go to, uh, go to uh, what's closest? Fort Polk. Go to Fort Polk. There's, there is unity, and, and yes, you could say there's uniformity. They all dress the same way. They all have the same haircut, and, and that, especially at the beginning. But where do those guys all come from? Are they all from Leesville, Louisiana? Guys and girls, sorry. Are they all from Leesville? Are they all from Louisiana? Are they all from the South? No. They're completely different. And, and, and I have a friend who pastors a church outside of Fort Hood. And his church is an amalgamation of people. Let me tell you. I mean, all kinds of different views because, you know, there are some military folks that are weird. Like, you know, some of y'all. They, it's just a different mindset. It's a different, uh, a, a, a military brat, someone who's grown up in the military, has a different view of the world than someone who's lived in the same place all their lives. And you have that in there. So there's, there, but there is unity, right? They, each, each group has a job to do when it comes time for a battle. Y'all go this way, and you have to take that tower. You've got to go and fight those people on that side. Our, this group is going to go over here and do this. And the, and the group in the middle is going to do something else. And then you've, you've got the unit behind that's, that's making sure the ammo is, is uh, ready and available and re repairing things. And, and, and they all have a particular job. They are unified in their purpose, but they are not uniform in any way other than they have one goal. Now, when somebody shows up for basic training, they don't have that unity. They are trained to be unified. They are trained to, when, to, to know their, at that point, sergeant's voice, and then when it gets out on the battlefield, it gets a little, uh, a little hairier for them sometimes. It might be harder to hear who's given the commands, but when they hear the commander's voice, they all do what the commander says because they're, they're trained to do it. And do they question? They're not supposed to. It, it, it's not the way it's supposed to work. When the directive, when the order is given, they go and they do it. They are united in that. Even though they may not be uniform in exactly what they are doing, it almost sounds like discipleship. Basic training is just the basics of discipleship. As a matter of fact, when I was a kid, the, the New Believers course for children and teenagers was called, anybody remember it? I'm sure we've got some laying around this church somewhere. Well, the disciples are trained, but there was one, there was a book. It was called Basic Training. Maybe y'all didn't use that here. Maybe that was a Mississippi thing. But that's what it was. And, and there was another one, I think, called Survival Kit. And, and, and all of these things were the, the basics, right? They were the things you needed to know just to get started. Well, that's... Paul says, God will reveal this also to you. If you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you. If, if you're concerned about... If you know these basics, if you've been discipled, these broader things, 
those will come to you. This statement saying there at the bottom, in essentials unity and non-essentials liberty and in all things charity has been, a, been credited to numerous people, but the best I could find on it was this fellow by the name of Marco Antonio de Dominis, who, <laughs> ironically enough, was not a big fan of unity. Uh, he was a, a, a Catholic um, friar or priest during the, 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 the uh, early 1600s, during the Reformation. And he flopped. He became a Protestant. And then that didn't go too well. He got caught, and they, he didn't like the... He recanted everything, and he went back to Catholicism and, and was even still then a bit problematic. And it's, so it's interesting that the guy who couldn't decide which side of the Reformation he was on is now credited with this phrase but it's still accurate. In essentials, unity. On those things we can't divide on, we don't, we don't let up on. This is what makes us Southern Baptists. There, there are a group, there, there's a group of essentials called the Baptist Faith and Message, and, and we are Southern Baptists. I am Southern Baptist because that's what I believe, and, and we as a Southern Baptist church then join with other Southern Baptist churches because we all believe in the essentials. And we have unity in those things. But among Southern Baptist churches, there are plenty of things that are non-essentials. We just got through reading through Genesis. Your view... Oh, well, I'm sorry, reading the first couple of chapters of Genesis. That was uh, two weeks ago. We talked about the creation your view of how God did the creation is a non-essential. We have liberty there. It, it, was, it, was it gap theory? Was it day-age theory? Was it all these other... Maybe. Who, yeah, sure, why not? But that's liberty. We don't, we don't kick people out of the church for that. Because that's not an essential. Do you believe Jesus Christ is divine and the Son of God? That's an essential. Well, I believe he was just a man. All right, we're going to have a discussion. Because that ain't working. That's not where we are. That is an essential. And we, we can only truly, uh, on those things we unify. But on the things that are not essential, there is liberty. But regardless, there is charity in all things. And y'all, that's just how we grow as believers. It's just how it works. It, it's how I'm finding uh, myself growing when I do, uh, being a bit more accepting of different views. And then finally, once we know, once we have the basics, then we grow, Paul says, add to that, with the things where you're wrong, the things that God's going to work on you, let Him work on you, then go, then do it. Verse 16, in any case, regardless, whether you're there and you agree with me on everything, Paul says, or whether you don't agree with me on everything yet, God will work on you on that, does not matter. In any case, verse 16, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. No matter where we are in the faith, we should be living up to that part of the faith that we are a part of, that, that, that we've, we've attained. Uh, another way to put it, and 
uh, Carol's up there laughing right now because I left out a word on this slide and we had to fix it this morning. A, a very important word. I left out the word not, which changes the whole meaning of that sentence, like, you know, the very opposite. No matter what you don't know, you have no excuse for not doing what you do know. No matter what you don't know, you have no excuse for not doing what you do know. If I know this is right, and, but I didn't know these other things were right, I, I'm still responsible for doing this, no, no matter what it is. And that's what Paul is saying. These things that, that we disagree on, that we don't have complete uniformity on, but we, we have unity, but we don't have complete uniformity. That's okay. They may be things that we don't have to have uniformity on. They may be things that we do. God will work on that over time. But the things we do know, the things that you do know you're supposed to be doing, you should do them. I don't know who said it. I think it was Paul. But I think, let me, let me back up on that because now that I'm thinking it in my head, he might not have it all. Somebody smarter than me can tell me. That's called discipleship too, by the way. For him who knows what to do and does not do it, it is sin. Okay, I got some nods on the Paul, so I was right. Good job, Michael. For him who knows what to do but does not do it, it is sin. Now, we can discuss, well, they should have known to do these other things, too. Well, they should have. They probably should have. But that's, that's not the point. The point is, you need to do what you know to do. What does that look like? Well, I've got some examples. You may not be able to explain the hermeneutical spiral. Etta will be able to in just a few weeks, because she's starting seminary tomorrow. Yeah. And she's taking biblical hermeneutics. It's how to study the Bible. Understanding the, 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 the behind the text of the Bible. That's what hermeneutics is. You may not be able to explain the hermeneutical spiral, but you can read your Bible. Right? Everybody nod. You may not be able to, to uh, uh, wax eloquent about any of the textbooks she's going to have to read over the next three months but you can read your Bible for him who knows what to do and does not do it, it, it it's, it's sin you may not be able to speak Greek but you can pray you don't have to pray in Greek you don't have to read the Bible in its original language that language can be foreign to you but the language of prayer is something every believer can and should do. You may, may not be able to differentiate between the characteristics of love, justice, and wrath in the mind of God and how those three things can coexist together perfectly, but you can tell someone that God loves them. You know that to be true. You may not be able to, to define the difference between propitiation and expiation when it comes to the work of Jesus on the altar of our lives, but you can tell somebody that Jesus died for their sins. You don't have to explain how it worked. 
to be able to tell them that it's done. You may not be able to preach with the eloquence of Charles Spurgeon or D.L. Moody or Adrian Rogers. Bless him. I wish I had Adrian Rogers' voice. And you may not be able to do that. You may not be able to expound on Scripture for 40, 45 minutes in front of people. But you know what? You can love your neighbor. That's a command we were given. You may not know what it means fully to empty yourself and humble yourself as chapter 2, verses 5 through 8 tell us. But you can do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. There's a lot of Bible you may not understand. There are a lot of words and, and depths of theology that you may not be able to wrap your head around, but you can do the part you do know. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You can do those. You don't have to go to seminary to do that. Paul says, do the things you know to do. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. That's a sign of maturity. That is being perfect as a believer. So what should I do? Well, I gave away the ending. Discipleship. Y'all, that's all this is. No, grow, go is just discipleship. Read scripture. Be discipled. Learn what God says. Be a part of our D group. Even if you're not interested in being online with, uh, on Faith Life and having that conversation there, read along with us. The, the, uh, the guide is on the Connection Center. You can, it, it's dated, right? The dates are on there. So, uh, like the actual date, like August 20-whatever? Okay. The actual dates are on... You see how closely I look at it. I just... Oh, today's Wednesday. Um... Read along with us. That's, that's part. Now, it, it, I would say it's not enough. You need to be involved in the discussion. You need to be talking to other believers. You need to be iron sharpening iron. You need to be growing in that way. But begin there. Read Scripture. Be discipled. Learn what God says. Know. Get knowledge. But don't just stop there. Then grow. Part of growing is recognizing your own biases, prejudices, traditions. And then change when God corrects you. Whatever it is that makes you read the Bible and say, yeah, but I don't want to do that. Yeah, but that's hard. Y'all, verse 3 and 4 of chapter 2 is hard. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility considers, uh, consider others as more important than yourselves. Others ain't just a few people. Others is everybody that ain't you. And then verse 4, he goes on, not making it any easier at all. Everyone should look out not only for their own interests, but also for the interests of others. That's a hard verse. 
That's a verse that we don't naturally mold ourselves into. And that's where God will grow us. That's where God will reveal this also to you if we allow ourselves to grow and change when God corrects you. Because it's one thing to hear God say, that's not right. It's another thing to hear God say, that's not right, and you adjust your life accordingly. That's growth. Just knowing isn't growth. Changing when he redirects us is. And lastly, what should I do? Live what you already know. Some things are easy to understand. Love your neighbor is easy to understand. Who's my neighbor? If you want to ask that question, Jesus answered it. The people you don't like the most. The people you like the least. That makes more sense. The people you like the least. That's your neighbor. Love them. Don't, not just words either. Serve them. Help them in on, when they're beaten up on the side of the road. Love your neighbor. And then begin to live what you continually learn. As you spend time in Scripture, as you grow, adjust. Change direction. Change who you are. That's just who I am. Y'all, I know who I am. I know all the warts. I know all the tendencies. And believe it or not, and some of you don't, I am actually trying to change those things. And I guarantee you, if you knew me 10 years ago, you'd know I changed those things. God did it. Yeah, Etta just coughed an amen under her voice, under, uh, under her breath. If you knew me 20 years ago, you would know that God has worked on me for those 20 years. And I would dare say most of us would have a, have a similar testimony. But if you're over 90, and I'm not asking who is, God's still working on you. You're not done. If you're over 80, you're not done. If you're over 70, you're, you're not done. None of us are done. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking with Christ, you can still grow. He is still teaching. We are still learning. And therefore, we should still be adjusting. I'm 45 years old. I have 63 more years of being changed and redirected. I'm living until I'm 108. I think that's the math, yeah. And, and, and a few days before, before I died, 108 years old, rolling around in my wheelchair in the nursing home, I hope, I hope that that Tuesday, I'll probably die on a Thursday, I hope that that Tuesday I realize something in my life that wasn't right and I'll change it. And on Thursday, when I go to see Jesus, I'm that much closer to him, and then I get to see him face to face. That's the Christian life. And that should be our goal. That's just discipleship. But maybe you have to have your beginning spot. Maybe, maybe you, you haven't been, you're not a believer. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. We can go back here just for a second to the no 
part. Sure, I know who God is, and I know who Jesus is, and I, I know something about him. I know some scripture. I, I, I've got knowledge, but I don't know Jesus. Now you're thinking, I, I don't have a relationship with him, and I don't even know what that means. Well, a relationship means that you have an understanding of who you are and an understanding of who Jesus is, and you ask him to fix who you are. That's a brief way of putting it. Another way to, un to talk about it is just through a few passages in Romans. Romans 3.23 tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us is a sinner. That's, that's knowing who I am. Knowing that I am a sinner. Knowing that the wages of sin then is death. And death here is separation from God. Certainly it includes physical death, but ultimately it means I don't spend eternity with him. I am divided. I am separated from God because of my sin. That is the righteous wages of my sin. That's just, just the way it is. But God made a way, right? God, I can't explain expiation or propitiation. I can't tell you all about that. But I know that whatever word we use, God did something when Jesus was on the cross in that gift of covering up, taking my sin from me. And that was a gift. And when I lost my sin because of Jesus, I gained eternal life because of Jesus. While I was still bad, while I was still a sinner. But I know I'm already, I'm still bad, Michael. Yes. But when you didn't love Jesus, Jesus loved you. That's, that's where some of you may be today. You don't love Jesus, but he loves you. And he died for you. And then he promises that if you will call on Jesus, you'll be saved. Call on Jesus what, what does that mean? Well, the next verse, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you trust Jesus for your salvation, if you say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I can't fix my sin on my own, so I trust you to do it for me. Jesus, save me. That's it. It's got to be harder than that, Michael. I wish it were. I do. I, I wish there were some, because harder than that means there's something you could do that, that proved it to you in your, your head. You know, I got a card. I, 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 I checked a bunch of boxes. I did all the things, and now I'm saved. And, and I can keep going back to the things. And, and, and that actually sounds easier in my stupid little head than just trust, just believe. And Jesus says, just believe. Confess and call. Believe in me, Jesus says. And maybe that's what you want to do this morning. You'll have an opportunity. Yeah, as a matter of fact, your opportunity is now to do that. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you, Lord, that up until the day we die, you will be drawing us closer to you. You will be correcting and guiding, growing us, Lord, may we never stop growing. May we never stop trying to be more like you. God, may we take everything we learn today, tomorrow, next week, and just that's one more piece of this, this 
lifelong puzzle of walking the Christian faith, one more piece in its place. And so that when the moments before you call us home, we look back and we see the picture that you have been creating for us. We don't see it now. We don't understand it all. But we will. And Lord, I pray that when we get to that moment that, that, that we don't look back and see pieces missing that should have been obvious. Pieces laying on the side that should have been a part of the picture that we just never picked up and, and put in their place. May we look back and see a completed picture that gives you glory. And Lord, for someone listening today that has, does not have that beginning relationship with Jesus Christ and doesn't understand even fully at this moment what that even means, Lord, I pray that you would work on their heart, you would draw them to you, and that faith would come now and full understanding would come, well, through discipleship. That we as a church would be faithful to disciple that we as believers would be faithful to disciple each other. God, and that you would work on us. Pray for the lost. I pray for the saved. And I pray that you would move in a mighty way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So during this time of response, you, you have some things you may need to pray about as a believer. As an unbeliever, you're struggling with that. Grab... Uh, Tom or me or Amy or someone you know, we'd love to talk to you about how you can accept Christ as your Savior if you're still unsure about that. Prayer rail is open for you this morning if you need to come pray. But at this time, let's sing, let's worship, and let's let God, even now for the next five minutes, continue to grow us.